How many of us have thought about what church season we're in lately? Yeah, Pentecost, the Pentecost event. Although it was observed in, the, in, our, in our church life over a month ago, Pentecost often reminds us of, you might even say that Pentecost ushers in thoughts not only about the growth and formation of the early church, that is, if you feel like talking about church history, but what about the formation, the recreation, the growth, and the renewal of today's church? Yeah. What can Pentecost and what happened after Pentecost, what could it possibly teach us about what we're learning about the, the look and the feel of the church today. You know, I don't know if you've even asked yourself lately this question. Hmm, I sort of remember what it used to be like to go to church. I wonder, is it ever going to be like that again? You know, some folks that I know in Yuma are going back to church again. They're going back already. I've had a couple conversations with them. But do you know what? It's not even close to the way it used to be. Putting together the pieces that we know as the church, isn't that what Pentecost really is all about? Or is Pentecost just another day in church history? Let me share with you today some selected verses from the book of Acts, chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked themselves, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? How is it then that each of us hears them in our own native language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Yes, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? And then skipping further down, for, uh, deeper into the, the uh, Acts chapter 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, 
praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So as we take a time out for a moment and remind ourselves of the Pentecost event, and more importantly, I think for us today, as we ponder the inaugural journey of that very young faith community, I've been thinking about the varied and diverse cast of characters who attended that initial Pentecost event. You heard me read through the the names of some of those cultures and languages and nationalities that were there that day. I also wonder how many of these folks were so excited and so curious that they brought their friends to attend the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, bringing along their friends, bringing along our friends to an exciting yet uncharted journey, kind of like the journey that we're all on today, reminds me of what a friend of mine calls stray cat casserole. Well, it is a good friend of mine. I don't know how many of uh, my listeners today know Amy Hamilton, but she invented what's called stray cat casserole. It seems that the Hamilton boys, as they were growing up, had a knack for inviting people home for dinner. Then now they wouldn't ask Amy ahead of time. They would just bring their friends home. But the way Amy tells the story, and that's that the Hamilton dinner table was always open. But Amy was not always prepared to feed this small army, usually of a bunch of boys, who would show up. Suddenly, before she knew it, she had several more mouths to feed at the dinner table. So she devised something that she still refers to today as stray cat casserole. How does that work? Amy would open a can of soup, a can of vegetables, can of this, can of that, dig into the pantry for a bag of this and a bag of that. She'd throw in a few eggs and maybe some milk. She'd mix it all together and whatever else she could find in the refrigerator and voila! Amy Hamilton had yet another stray cat casserole piping hot and ready for dinner. Now, this... Certainly in my mind, it's a rather tender and endearing story about stray cats gathering together, specifically a group of persons, young men, joining along with the Hamilton family, all getting together for what I would refer to as a significant event. That's dinner. In my mind, it's a fitting image as we try to imagine the many cultures, languages, and nationalities of people whom God brought together in one place uh, at the same time in order to experience the receiving, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and important for us and for me today, they also gathered together to clearly be given a whole new purpose. That purpose for them, which is and was, to discern directly from God, to create and build and implement what we know today as the church. And isn't that creating and building aspect of the early church, isn't that what's really important for us today as we look ahead and as we wonder when we can get back on our church campus? You know, it's obvious to me that the Pentecost event and the the characters that attended are important. But how is that important for us today? So stick with me this morning. What is it about the Pentecost event and the days and the weeks and months and years that followed that event, 
What is it about that that can genuinely inform the church renewal project that waits for us, that lays, that lies before us? In other words, what can you and I learn from the church builders that will inform our attitudes, our goals, our purposes, and you might even say our business plan for Yuma First? Stick with me now. More specifically, we're boiling this all down. How does the life of the early church help us today to develop and implement the tools that we need in order to recreate, reshape, and renew Yuma First United Methodist Church right downtown Yuma, Arizona? Believe me, it's entirely possible that recreating the way that we exist as the church in the world today has never crossed your mind. I know that. I understand that. But I can tell you, for me as the current pastor of that church, of Yuma First, the new look and feel of the church is on my mind daily, and sometimes it's on my mind a little too much, so much so that I am wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it. I want to challenge you, time out again, I want to challenge you today to think about what the church used to be like before the coronavirus pandemic. What were your regular church habits? Think about all the things that you were involved with without even thinking about what part of the building that you touched. Think about how often you looked at the calendar on the back of your bulletin and you found yourself attending various events on the church campus downtown. Then the pandemic hit America. And now the pandemic is hitting really hard the desert southwest. We haven't been to the church campus for much of anything. We spend a lot of time on the phone. We listen to podcasts of sermons and worship services, the prayers of the day. We're still listening to great music from our musicians. Thank you, musicians and choir. Maybe we're studying the Bible. We're praying at home. We're thinking about each other. We're making phone calls. We're calling one another. We're checking on each other. That's going on a lot. Then occasionally, we put on our mask and we very carefully tiptoe around one another, trying to gauge the proper social distance. Which, by the way, hear me now, hear me, which, by the way, tiptoeing around and wearing a mask and being careful what we touch, cleaning everything constantly, do you know that that's what we're going to have to do when we finally get together again in person? So as we turn the corner, imagine that, just imagine that in your mind's eye. As we turn the corner today and we get to the point of this whole message, let me ask the operative question for the day. What significant things can you and I learn from those young church building pioneers that will help us to faithfully rethink, reshape, renew, and reform what we used to know and love as the church? That is the church we once attended in person. Well, when I look back on the journey of our earliest and inaugural church builders, and when I carefully read and study the book of Acts, and I invite you to do the same, especially as evidenced in just those few verses of Scripture that we looked at today, the most important core values that I see at work, there's some important core values that I see at work in their lives, I want to share those with you. Number one, understand. 
They understood that God was doing something new and exciting in the world. And we're called to do the same. To understand that God is doing something new and exciting in the world around us. To understand that although bleak and genuinely difficult and even tragic for some, our future still holds a lot of promise for God's mighty action in the world. Core value number two, discern. They discerned. Yes, they were willing to and they discerned what God's will was for them. And you and I are called to be willing to and through all of our actions to follow through with discerning God's leading and his guidance for one, what needs to be actively done by us downtown and two, what we might need to leave behind. For example, the conference leadership right now is strongly suggesting that small groups continue to, to meet online and or on the phone. And two, there are some elderly congregations that I heard about who I believe are in the North District. They recently decided to wait until people could sit near one another and actually touch one another before they were going to get back together again in person on their church campus. Number three, and again, hang with me. I'm calling them core values. What else do we learn from those early pioneers of the church? They were dreamers. They dreamed. So let's decide today that we will not allow the past to decide the future. Let's decide today that we will not allow the bad news to decide our fate. Let's decide today that we that while we are entertaining new restrictions being placed upon us, that the possibilities of what church will look like are endless. So dream with me, will you? Let's do the research. Be creative. Yes, dream big. Be willing to adopt a whole new vision for what church will look like and where God might be taking us. Number four, courage. The early church leaders were bold. If you don't believe me, start reading the book of Acts and keep reading. They were courageous. They could easily have been dissuaded by the obstacles that were before them. The book of Acts is riddled with challenges to the growth and development of the early church, but they knew. They knew that God was calling them, and they knew that God was empowering them to get outside of the limitations that they would typically place upon them themselves. And they knew that God was calling them and pulling them out of the limitations that other people were trying to place upon them. Yes, the history of the early church, that Pentecost event and all the events that happened afterwards is packed full of people who boldly went where no church builder had ever gone before. Harmony. Harmony is another core value. There's a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to harmony and unity. Often these two interlocking realities are depicted as everybody agrees with one another and everybody is just agrees on everything and um, in order to be in harmony, you are of one mind. And certainly in today's world, don't you and I know way better than that? Especially in America, there's so many divisive issues before us right now that have been politicized so much that harmony, being genuinely concerned about the welfare of persons around you, harmony has been lost. Harmony has been misunderstood. But isn't it true? 
harmony and the very action, at its very action, it builds and nurtures the welfare of others. And isn't it important and isn't it more true than ever that harmony is what God is calling us to do, especially those of us who follow Jesus? My friends, look at the whole of the book of Acts. Yes, there were divisive things, but the people who faithfully followed God always made decisions that brought about harmony in the well-being of others. And lastly, a core value that's important is trust. In the midst of the many challenges, obstacles, bad news, murders, floggings, tortures, setbacks, shipwrecks, tragedies, and broken relationships, go ahead, read the book of Acts for yourself. All the things that faced the early church, God's people persevered because they trusted that God was still in charge and they trusted that God would not allow them to be defeated. They knew that God would not let them down. They knew that as they fully depended on God for whatever they needed, they would indeed fulfill their God-given destiny. And we know they fulfilled that destiny because you and I are here today, together as the church, trusting that's exactly what they did. What was important? What do we observe about them? They understood and were called to understand. They discerned, were called to listen for God's voice. They dreamed, they dreamed big and they didn't allow the past to decide the future. They were courageous, they were bold. They sought to make decisions that would bring about harmony among not only them as the church, but they even made decisions that would bring about harmony in the world around them. And that is important as we face all these divisive issues, my friends. And they trusted. They trusted that God was the foundation and he was behind everything they did. So let's, you know, I know we're running out of time today, so let's wrap up this package. Does it even matter anymore to spend time talking about church history? Think about it. As we now face the reality of having to relearn and rebuild and reshape what being the church is going to look like for us in Yuma, Arizona, is there anything we can possibly learn from the first church builders that would be of any value of us today? Yeah, there's a whole list of core values. There's a whole list of important things that we can take with us. There's a whole list of things that we can base all of our decisions on. Yes, in the process of getting my bearings lately and setting up my feet, trying to find my footing, it became clear to me that doing church and being the church right here in Yuma, listen to this, we know this, it's already changed, hasn't it? It has. And much of that change that has taken place, and I mean this, has been beyond our personal control for the most part. But here's the gospel message for us today. Here it is. Are you ready? Get your feet set. Feel the foundation below you, holding you up. Did you know that God is still in the business of doing new and exciting things? Honestly, as we look ahead at what is waiting for us, I think it's a blank canvas. It's a blank canvas. 
It's up to us to understand that God is still very active in the world around us. It's up to us to listen to God, to discern faithfully his plan for us. It's up to us to lay out that plan, that criteria. It's up to us to map out the goals in our new purpose. It's up to us to draw the pictures just like we want them. Yeah, it's up to us as contemporary church builders in downtown Yuma, Arizona, to draw the lines where we want them and fill in the colors using the colors that we want. And it's up to us to set up all the parameters of what doing church and being the church is going to look like for us. Will it be like herding cats, you might ask? Maybe. Will we face challenges? Yep, we're already facing challenges challenges, and potential roadblocks. Will people have doubts? Yep. Will we have people in our face telling us we can't do it? Yep. Will we have people telling us that we're just not up to the task and we can't do it? Yep. Believe me, friends, some nights my wandering mind gets the best of me. But then when I wake up and I remember whose we are, as the beloved children of God, I gain that strength that those early church pioneers had. So, let's gather together. Let's bring our friends. Let's open wide the refrigerator. Let's inspect the church pantry. And let's throw together a can of this and a can of that. And let's mix in a bag of this and a bag of that. And together, let's allow God to build and to shape and to form and to put together a casserole that will feed not only our spirits, but that will feed the spirits of those in the world around us. Amen and amen.